Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Welcome to the Legacy Leaders Podcast. Are you doing the best for your client to help them create their legacy? Are you creating a plan that goes far beyond finances to help people ensure that it becomes the driving force behind all decisions? On this podcast, hosts Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller will help you with growing your practice and your client's peace of mind. Together, they bring the best and brightest minds to share with you how to help your clients develop their best legacy. And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Rod Hatley, tax estate planning and asset protection attorney and member of Legacy Leaders Podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts. have the distinct privilege of meeting and speaking today with Vance Bars. And Vance, it's a pleasure to have you on the call. Thanks for being here. And just so that I can be sure, and we can also make sure that our listeners know, you are a financial advisor who serves as a fiduciary for your clients. So that means that you put their interests above your own, if I understand correctly. Did I get that right? You did, in fact. And Rod, thank you very much for having me on the show. It is truly a pleasure to be here. And yes, I am categorically and definitionally a fiduciary financial planner and a certified private wealth advisor practitioner. Wow, that's a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, if you look at all the alphabet soup after my name, I mean, it's like, you know, it's all we kind of deal with. And, you know, we have all these letters after (laughs) you. You know, yeah, I think it, I'd like to think that it probably creates, I'd like to think it creates a sense of comfort in our clients, but sometimes it can maybe come off as intimidating too. So, but I always try to make people feel comfortable. You know, look, I've got all this experience, I've got this knowledge, and I think we can work together to, you know, achieve whatever is, is most important to you. How did you become a financial advisor? What got you started down that pathway? Well, how much time do I have to answer that question is really what I'd like to know because, you know, it's so interesting. And to answer the question, I started in financial services in 2007. I bugged and bugged a guy named John Sun, who was the founder of the firm Altegris, which was a platform of alternative investments. Okay. And I bugged him so much. I said, listen, I just want to travel around the country and I want to raise money from financial advisors. And he was like, oh, well, we really have no need for that at this point in time. But if we ever do, I'll let you know. And nine months later to the day, John called me and he said, while we are a platform that's available to direct investors at the time, anyway, we want to start a side project, which is called intermediary distribution and take our product suite and make it available to financial advisors nationwide. So I joined Altegris and for 10 years, Rod, I traveled the country full-time, typically multiple cities a week. And my clients were financial advisors at all the major firms that you've heard of or are probably familiar with. And my job very specifically was to go in to the financial advisor and wealth management offices that had high net worth and ultra high net worth clients and teach them how to use different types of alternative investments, private equity, and so forth, where those investment strategies really served as historically anyway, a non-correlated or diversified asset class for their clients. And in that process, I learned way more than I ever bargained for. Sure. Very specifically, in the thousands of hours 
that I spend consulting financial advisors nationwide. When I would go into the offices, I would learn what they do, what they don't do, how they serve clients, different types of advanced planning strategies that they don't offer their clients. And I realized that one of the unintended consequences of my former decade-long career was learning absolutely everything I could about very specifically what most financial advisors do and don't do for their clients. And a light bulb went off eight years ago last month. And I thought, you know, I think I might be able to establish a firm that very specifically focuses on bringing advanced planning strategies to clients who aren't even aware that they need them. And that's how I became a financial advisor. I think it's a great, you know, story and it certainly makes a difference because you found something that, you know, was a need that you've been able to address. And I think that's, you know, really key. You, can, you, you know, Rod, there's actually a little more to the story, if I may. Please. Uh, if you indulge me. Ten years into my prior career, I had several life events happen at the end of that career. Very specifically, and given that you're an estate planner, you might appreciate this. And I don't mean to sound negative here. I had five family members die in 18 oh. months. Three of them were very close. Yeah. One of them was my biological father, whom I had never actually met in person and only talked to three times on the telephone. And that experience really led me to evaluate what is most important in this thing that we call life. Sure. And I did something very unusual in this business. I resigned from my career. I threw my leg over a Harley. It was actually owned by my biological father. I grew a great big beard and really long hair. I kid you not. And no, you will not find pictures of it on the internet because they have all been scrubbed. (laughs) But I rode around the country for a little over a year. And it was somewhere between Sturgis and Denver that this idea occurred to me. And that was it. And I realized that my raison d'etre in life was not to consult financial advisors, but in fact, was to become one. And I don't ride motorcycles anymore because... I have two children. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Can you share with us what you enjoy most about what you do and maybe what is not something that you're crazy about, but you do it because it's part of what you have to do? So what's the best part of what you do and maybe what's the least glamorous or least enjoyable part of what you do? The best part is watching what I call the aha moment Mm -hmm. with a client that's an individual or with a family. Because one of the things that I haven't shared thus far is that we have a pretty unusual model. I will typically meet a client on a plane, being like the first introduction that we have as human beings is at a cruising altitude of somewhere around 37,000 feet, or I might publish an article on a particular financial planning matter or have a media feature. But however the universe brings yours truly and the potential client together, I tell them You don't have to move your money to our firm. In fact, we will never ask you to move your assets to our firm. Instead, think of us as a consultant that you will retain uh, typically through the business if it's a business owner because then I can consult business and it can potentially be an above-the-line deduction if those are of interest. But nonetheless, we are often retained up front to do a deep dive on estate planning, tax planning, of course, all the investment accounts, a full review of all risk management strategies, and then ultimately a household and or balance, uh, pardon me, 
household and or business balance sheet. Okay. What we do is we look at the planning gaps that exist. If they have a current financial advisor, we will look at what that advisor is or is not doing. It might be enhanced, if you will. And we come up with a full independent and objective report and simply present it to the family. Right. What's so phenomenal about that experience for me as a practitioner is when I get to see that aha moment when they realize, yeah, we don't have an intentionally defective grantor trust. We don't have an islet. We don't have a family limited liability corporation. We have these different strategies for which we have been eligible for so long, but we didn't know that our current planning team was not advising us on those strategies. And therefore, we left a lot of value on the table. And that moment in time is what brings me the most fulfillment. To answer the second part of the question, I'd have to really dig deep. I I truly believe that my purpose on this earth is to serve as financial steward for the families that we're lucky enough to serve. Fabulous. I would say that the least favorite part is fighting the human condition. Of course. Business owner might be referred or we cross paths. And I hear this all the time. My estate planner is the best estate planner on the planet. My CPA is great. Our kids have gone to school together for decades. But with a few prying questions aimed at implementing value, I can quickly identify that there are things that have not been implemented thus far. And hey, you know what? We're here on a flat cost basis. Yeah. And and I like the the idea of removing the conflict of you have to move your money to us for us to serve you because that's what so much of the industry does. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you kind of shared it a little bit, it's kind of indirectly, but what is an ideal client or referral for you to work with? I mean, is it typically higher net worth folks or what? I mean, you have like a minimum, the kind of person that you like to work with where it makes sense for the value that you can bring to the table? We have a no jerk policy here at the okay. firm. So if like if we've been our initial fifteen minute discovery call, yeah. there are some of the red flag personality traits, which you know, in all seriousness does not happen that often. Sure. At the end of the day, it's really important that we're able to do what we love yeah. and do that for the families that we serve. A typical client for us has somewhere between one and twenty-five million liquid. Okay. We do have some outliers, right? but it's important to understand that a lot of families have the majority of their worth in a business, mm-hmm. real estate, or both. Right. And it's unfortunate because a lot of those families are eligible for what I call the advanced planning acronym alphabet-based soup, right? Well, we kind of right. joked about it earlier in terms of right. you know, letters after our last names, but yeah. it's so vital that the families understand how they can retain as much of their assets within their estate and make sure that their heirs don't fight over those assets at some point during life or after transition to the spiritual side. So a typical family for us is in that one to 25 range. And by the way, that's not by accident. Yeah. Having spent thousands of hours inside of financial advisory firms and wealth management institutions, the so-called private wealth cohort will typically start at somewhere between 25 and 50. A lot of these firms will court these business owners mm-hmm. ostensibly to bring value as a wealth management firm, but let's not forget that a lot of these big banks 
have the banking solutions there, which are a revenue stream for the bank. So the reason I'm not with the bank is because I don't want that potential conflict of interest. And we have banking solutions for our clients. I have no financial incentive otherwise. But the reason that we're in that cohort is because once you get to 50 or 100 plus, a lot of those families already have what are called single family offices or, right. or multifamily offices, or they're in the private wealth channel. And it's just so hard, again, fighting the human condition to get them to see and understand that there's additional value out there, even though it's not with the big bank. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Wow. There's so much I could ask. I guess uh, one thing I'd want to know is you could share with our listeners, what is, could you share a time when completing business with someone was one of the best experiences? And on the flip side of that, one of the worst experiences, I'm sure you've got stories. So you could just select one of each that just kind of share with us what, what that's been like for you. Truly a brilliant question, Rod. So I always like to leave with a positive. Okay. Most of the client experiences that we have are replete with positivity in the sense that we're able to see the family help bring value alongside of the estate planner, the CPA, maybe the in-house CFO, or, or maybe it's just the quiet family next door that is simply looking for planning value that they have not had implemented thus far. But regardless, one that stands out to me is a family that was with a very well-known wirehouse. Okay. Uh, it's a two-name firm that I will leave unnamed. Okay. But there were four businesses that the family owned in addition to multiple real estate properties. And I actually met the female spouse of this family on an elevator. I've never met a stranger. It could be a bozo on the bus or a billionaire in a Bentley. Everyone to me is the same. And I just talk with people. I have the, you know, the so-called gift of gab. Sure. So you're on the elevator and I look at this woman. I go, you know, you look really happy. She goes, I'm fresh out of a divorce. I'm going to sell one of my four companies. And I tell you what, I am just full of rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. And it was such an unusual response. Wow. And we had a nice chat on the way up to the university club in downtown San Diego. Sure. Yeah. And as it turns out, I was there to give a lecture to an audience on how to implement advanced charitable planning solutions, CRTs, CLTs, super CLTs. Sorry for the acronym, folks. But in any event, she happened to be in the audience. Oh, wow. And she went through our process. We did the initial retainer. We did a full deep dive on the estate. Yeah. And a very long story short, we were able to implement an eyelid, an idget, and a handful of other strategies sure. with the following goals. I want to keep as much money in that estate because ultimately, I explained, you're going to give your estate to one of three heirs, right? The heirs that you intend, the government by way of taxes or charity. So we structured a few things in the estate that needed to be updated. And what was interesting is this estate will trigger the estate tax. Remember that the TCJA or the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunsets December 31st of 2025, right? So the qualified assets in this estate will ultimately go to a donor advised fund and get a deduction on the 706. Sorry to get a little nerdy here, but we were able to 
keep as much money in that estate as possible, yeah. foster familial unity by way of charitable intent, and reduce a lot of the otherwise taxable value of that business prior to the liquidity event. And I cannot emphasize this enough. You've probably seen this in your career. Yeah. Someone goes, I sold my business. Now I'm looking for some tax breaks. I'm going, the the list is, yes. <laughs> right? I shouldn't laugh because there's comedy and there's tragedy, but it's so tragic that you kind of have to laugh because you do. Yeah, it does do. Take a little initiative before the liquidity event. Right. Oftentimes there's a lot of value there. One of the worst is we had a spendthrift client, almost never happens. Yeah. And despite having investment policy statements and withdrawal policy statements, this individual decided to purchase a very expensive luxury item Mm -hmm. that I will leave unnamed, but it floats on water. And the impact of that particular purchase uh, had a, a pretty significant negative impact on the overall financial plan. And all I can do is carry the message. You know, and it's valuable. And I appreciate you sharing both the good and the bad. And it happens. And sometimes people take leave of their senses. It does happen. And sometimes the best you can do is say, well, let's see how we come back from this. But the first story was fabulous because you're able to connect with somebody, help them understand there are things that we can do. And boy, it can make a real difference for the family uh, that comes after them. That's, you know, that, that reminds me of something that I should also share. So there's the initial sort of dollars and cents impact. Mm-hmm. Life is meant to be lived. Sure. So we have an annual retreat for this family. In fact, it's coming up in July. And all of the family members and their spouses will be there. We go through what's called a family heritage statement so that all of the members of the family are given a voice and they understand not only the purpose of the family's assets and wealth, but also how to manifest them to achieve fulfillment. And that's not just flowery language. We go through very specific exercises to outline and identify that. We bring in a PhD who helps talk about family. Uh, family, pardon me, dynamics and how to navigate that very big gap between family wealth and meaning. Because one of the biggest misperceptions among the public is that life for the wealthy, whether it's 2 million or 5 million or 50 million, is so simple and easy. Uh, but in reality, humans are humans and they still come with emotions. And it's very important to make sure that those are addressed. That's terrific. I mean, I'm just so encouraged that you're able to do that for your clients to be able to, you know, spend that time with them away from the office, away from everything, get them, you know, where they can relax and they can let their guards down, you know, talk about what's really most important, the family, and what do we want to leave behind. It's wonderful that you can involve the children and all the family members have a voice at the table, which is not always the case. And so that's just that's so heartening and encouraging to hear. That's just, wow. That's all I can say. Let me throw this out there. The phrase trust advisor is often used, and it's something I suppose all of us aspire to be. What does that term trusted advisor mean to you in terms of being a financial advisor and the kind of work that you do for the clients you serve? Well, first, let me explain why I laughed, because having spent thousands of hours within the wealth management industry and going to Dozens of conferences over the years, you know, annual conferences for different firms. 
one of the most overused terms is trusted advisor. How to become the trusted advisor? Do you want to become the most trusted advisor? Trusted advisor. Well, if there's that much trust in the industry, why do we have to hear about this at every single conference? So your question is fantastic because the answer to it is the most trusted advisor in a family fold is the individual to whom matriarch, patriarch, or both will go with the most intimate of questions. And it's not always financially related. Right. Many of our clients will turn, and this is not a plug, I'm just sharing anecdotal information. Many of our clients will turn to us and go, I'm thinking about this idea. Here's what I've put into this. I'm concerned about the tax implications or what are your thoughts on? And part of our job is to navigate what I call the, the allied planning team. Yeah. The M&A specialist, the CPA, the estate planner, the PNC agent, the realtor, you name it. Any of the players or the characters, if you will, that have a seat at the table yeah. to work with all of them and make sure that we look at all potential planning gaps and very specifically how to fill them. To me, that is what a most trusted advisor is. So many of our conversations, Rod, aren't about, well, interest rates are doing this and therefore we think that. Right. The conversations are around, how am I going to be remembered after I transition to the spiritual side? How do I solve for my estate tax burden? How do I reduce the, the tax bill that I'm going to have on the sale of my business or property? Hey, my wife and I, or my husband and I, we're kind of having some problems. And I need to tell you about that because there might be some financial implications of a potential divorce, but I don't want to get divorced. Fans, what do I do? Got it. So much of our conversation, the, the elements of our conversations with clients is centered around that human experience. Well said. I like that a lot. That's terrific. Let me see. Who are your best referral sources for what you do? I mean- can you share a little bit about how, how clients come to you? I'm sure there's a variety of ways, but are there any that are typical? Two stick out, current clients and financial media. Okay. So I don't pay to be in financial media. Uh, you know, The situation was such that back in 2019 or so, I met with a leading financial journalist who picked my brain a bit on the thousands of hours I spent inside the wealth management industry and started quoting me. There was sort of a snowball effect. So I might write something that's published by CNBC or get quoted in things. I was recently quoted in Barron's, blah, blah, blah. No one cares other than my mom. Hi, mom. But people will read that and they'll reach out. They'll Google me. They will look at the website. They'll look at our videos on YouTube. I frequently lecture on advanced planning topics. Most of our referrals come from current clients. And it's really interesting because... I mentioned financial advisory conferences earlier. It's so many of these conferences, Rod. There's the one or two sessions on you know, how to build referrals by leveraging relationships with estate planners and CPAs, right? There's always a focal point there. Sure. But in reality, most financial advisors think about their current clients as the referral source. What I've found, it's really actually interesting. A lot of our clients have said to me, you know what, if one of my friends brings financial matters up, I'm going to refer them to you. But so many clients have shared, I just don't talk dollar sign related items with any of my friends right. because it's a little taboo, but it's current clients or financial media. Okay. 
let's see. And um, you're here in San Diego. And so if somebody was interested based on our conversation today and they wanted to reach out to you for direction, possibly advice, or maybe to retain your services, how's the best way for them to get to you? They can quite simply Google Vance Barris. The firm's website, which is yourdedicatedfiduciary.com, pops up and you can easily find my contact info and reach out. And I love talking about these things. Sure. More than you could possibly imagine. The only thing I love more is spending time with my two young kids in my mid-40s. Oh. And it's great. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share ideas and reflect on the industry. And I really appreciate you having me here today. It's been a pleasure, Vance. Thank you so much for making for sharing the time. And this will be posted to uh, Apple Podcasts here, probably, as I said before we went on the air here, four to six weeks out. So by the time this is actually being, people are listening to it, it'll probably be, well, this is the about the middle of April, so maybe about mid to late May, possibly. So anyway, unless there's anything else that you wanted to share with our audience before we bring it to a close, Thanks for sharing the time. It was a real pleasure and an honor to have you here. Well, thanks. And there is one more thing. I wrote Fiduciary Wealth Management, subtitled The Millionaire's Guide to Hiring the Right Financial Advisor. I've had a couple firms take my name off of it and use it for clients of theirs. So if you'd like a free copy of it, they can find me by way of the website, reach out, and I will send it their way. And again, Rod, thank you so much. This was truly a pleasure. Thanks, Vince. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.